welcome to a new episode of the Kingdom Project Podcast. I am your host, Marcus Hall, and we are continuing in our crash course um, of the Bible, right? Going through it, under uh, giving a simple uh, understanding uh, to help you guide it, uh, navigate those waters. And we are on biblical doctrine now, and we will be looking at the doctrine of God, of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in this episode. And again, very simplified uh, definitions and our understandings here, just to help you have the basics uh, to go off of that. As I said, there probably will be more um, episodes on some of these topics uh, in the future that will be highly in-depth, uh, possibly, <laughs> like sovereignty. And uh, which which we're looking at right now with God. All right. So with the doctrine of God, um, you have his existence, his attributes, his sovereignty and the Trinity. OK, so God. Well, it, it's often said, put this way. If you look for God in the laboratory, you're not going to find him. But if you were to look for God in a courtroom, the evidence is conclusive. Okay, so um, it is impossible. And what that means is that it's impossible to generate proof of God's existence. So we must look for evidence of his existence. All right. So while the Bible simply assumes that God exists, it also provides excellent evidence so that believing in his existence is an intellectually re like reasonable thing to do once you've studied it. All right, so Romans 1.20 is a good example. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. All right, so that that's the simplified look at God's existence. Next is his that his, his attributes. These are the fundamental characteristics of God. God is a personal being and because he is, he has characteristics that distinguish him from all other beings. All right? And these these are called attributes. All right? Some some of his attributes are shared by humanity. Because God created man uh, in his image, right? But these these are called personal attributes. And he has other he has other characteristics, however, that go beyond hum humanity and are true of only him alone. These these are these these def define his deity, and they are called divine attributes. All right. And we'll 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 talk about some of that. Yeah later but as as far as that goes that's that's what deals with that doctrine and then you have sovereignty okay <laughs> sovereignty is that god is uh well god can do whatever he wills that's within his holy will all right so uh, let me just say this saying that god can do whatever he wants to do because he is god is really not a true statement because god can't sin he cannot lie uh, things like that. Uh, God can do whatever he wills um, as, as far as his holiness and his holy will is concerned. 
All right. He is all powerful. He has the ability to will uh, and carry these things out. All right. The sovereignty um, is only exercised in harmony with his goodness, his righteousness and all other attributes. So justice and wrath and all that as well. And it extends to the entirety of creation for all time. And in his sovereignty, he has uh, this is what gets debated, but this is the doctrine, okay, is that he has determined everything that has happened and will happen and yet has done so in such a way that man has true volition or choice. So this is one of the mysteries or unexplainable things of Scripture. Now, side note, and this will be something I'll try to tease out in a standalone episode, but that's... In that debate, okay, that in that definition that I just gave is that's when is God 100% sovereign? You know, is he sovereign all the time or part of the time? Do we work with him in the sovereignty? And so when you bring humanity into that, it's like he's determined all things or is it some things? If he's determined some things, how much do we play a part in that? And that brings in free will or uh, no free will. It brings in responsibility as well. Uh, all right. But you'll notice, I want to go back to this definition that it says that he has done so in such a way that man has true uh, a choice, that man does have will in, in, in the sense that you make real choices and those choices have circumstances that um, can be both temporal and eternal. All right. But sovereignty is a complex thing. Um, but going through scripture, you'll see sovereignty. All right. And to start going down other, other roads, other paths, um, whether it be, uh, oh, so many, uh, pantheism or, uh, just there's so many like open theism and, and other things like that or free will and we co-create and we do things along with God and we make decisions. And if I say no, then it's not going to come true to, or to pass because I was responsible. We get into crazy waters in there that start to actually undermine what is in Scripture. And when you start to undermine what's in Scripture, then you've undermined and undermined God. And now you've started to create an all new doctrine or all new understanding or all new uh, religion even. So you can get into heresy really fast sometimes. All right. So anyway, in uh, and, and sovereignty then is also going to be tied to the, the for, like foreign, foreknowledge, for, uh, like preordained or predestination and all these things. So have fun with that if you go <laughs> into into trying to study that as well. Okay. All right. Next one is Trinity is that God is three persons yet one. All right. Um, another mystery, pretty much. We were only able to understand it to a certain extent, uh, to have a total comprehension of it is like, ah, how's that work? I don't know, but it does. All right. But the Bible distinctly states that there is only one true God, but it also says that, um, that with, equal clarity that there was a man, Jesus Christ, who claimed equality with God, the Father, and there is 
uh, the Holy Spirit, who is also equal with God, the Father. So how do you put that together? All right. But historically, the concept has been termed, termed the Trinity. There is one God who exists in three persons. Now, while it's impossible to give an il illustration, the evidence remains and has been embraced as a fundamental teaching of Christianity from the very beginning. Okay, uh, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Second Corinthians thirteen, fourteen. All right, that is the Trinity. To there's really good books out on it, and um, uh, I, th this is pretty much. There are people, there's oneness, Pentecostals, and there's, uh, and in that is, um, it's about the same thing as modalism as well. And it just says that God um, uh, is just one. There isn't three in one. There's all those. And that's considered, no, that's no good. That's not in alignment with scripture. Therefore, it has to be rejected. Uh, so the Trinity is uh, biblical and it is uh, besides modalism and, and oneness uh, beliefs, it, it, it is pretty much pretty common to believe. Now, the position of the Bible is straightforward in presenting Jesus as divine, as the Son of God and the second person of the Trinity. He's fully man. He's fully God. This is known as the hypostatic union. Um if he were not a man, he could not have died for our sins. And if he were not God, his death would have accomplished nothing. All right. This is why he was born of a virgin. He was born of the Holy uh, of God through the Holy Spirit and of a woman and her seed. So to understand the Bible's position on Jesus, it it it's you have to it must be grasped that Jesus is presented as the Messiah or the savior of the world who was prophesied throughout the Old Testament and who would come to die or atone for the sins of the world, and who um, and also comes again, right? Uh, as far as es in, in, in eschatology, and to establish righteousness um, in a new heaven, a new earth, or that can also you can get in some deep waters there as well. All right, but here we're not trying to go that deep. So uh, the four. Divisions of the doctrine of, of Christ, then, are deity, humanity, resurrection, and return. All right, so deity is that Jesus was God incarnate. All right, here's the thing. We're like, wait, Jesus was God? And it's like, yeah, God in flesh. Though he was a man, he was also God. But he's also the second member of the Trinity. And he existed before he was born as Jesus. <laughs> starts to get a little like head scratching how does this work i don't know but the bible speaks of this uh so christ was active in creation right he was active in the creation of the world and he was active during the old testament uh scriptures when the timing was right uh the christ the second person of the trinity became incarnate as jesus but did not forfeit his divinity at any time he was not just a man as some people today claim all right john 1 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god there you go all right so humanity christ was a man we know this right though jesus was god 
He was a man. He took on the form of humanity, although he did not sin. Um, and, and he did not sin, he, but he did taste all other human experiences, hunger, fatigue, sorrow, all those things. He was supernaturally conceived, as I've just stated. He's born of a virgin and lived an apparently normal life as this carpenter's son until it was his time for his ministry to start. And as a man, he was crucified. He died physically, and he was buried. Uh, John 1.14, the word uh, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, and dwelt among us. He tabernacled. All right, the tabernacle in the temple was a type and shadow foreshadowing Jesus to come. He tabernacled among us on earth in a physical body. And then we have his resurrection. All right, so being falsely accused and tried and all these uh, crazy, crazy uh, false scenarios uh, or court uh, trials, if you will. Uh, Jesus was subjected to the form of capital punishment. And uh, he was flogged. That that flogging was a severe uh, punishment, and that usually killed sixty percent of those who uh, had to go through it. He was nailed to this uh, cross, and, and and he died. But afterward, he he, he was wrapped in these uh, burial cloths. He was placed in a sealed tomb. And at the end of three days, there was this earthquake, and it moved the stone from the mouth of the tomb to reveal that Jesus was raised from the dead just as he said he would and uh, uh, that's Romans 1 4 who 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 was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness Jesus Christ our Lord then you get to the return all right that most it's most commonly uh, interpreted Jesus will return to earth at some time in the future. And I will read read the central uh, definition for this, is that the, the picture of the Messiah in the Old Testament was an, an uncertain one. Now, there were some of the prophetic passages spoke of this humble servant Messiah, while others spoke of a glorious, powerful king. So start, like the, there was a stark contrast between those those types of passages that some Old Testament scholars thought there would be two uh, messiahs, right? <laughs> so, but with the added re revelation in the New Testament, uh, we know how to reconcile those verses. Verses um, that Jesus came came uh, as a humble servant. He died for the sins of mankind. After he was resurrected, he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. And then someday in the future, um, Jesus will return to earth as this powerful, glorious king to institute righteousness on earth. Now, um, if you know me, eschatology is one thing I've dived into a lot on this podcast and then said... Um, uh, I see some even with some of that statement there, I'm like, yeah, because he was powerful, though, even on Earth and he is king of kings. He is reigning. He is in control uh, and king of kings, lord of lords uh, today. He doesn't have to be on Earth physically to do that. 
although I understand the meaning behind the statements that Jesus will come to earth. Um, some believe in the rapture, others don't, but there'll be a, like, uh, you have to go into all the different views of eschatology, which is uh, rapture and then pre-trib. Uh, some believe in the tribulation, some don't. Some believe in an antichrist, some don't. Uh, Postmillennialists are going to say that um, none of that is going to be had. It's just the the gospel is going to spread and spread and spread. And at some point, almost all are going to say then Jesus comes back to earth. Uh, where the tares and wheat are separated then, and then he, there, it's a new, uh, improved earth that we live on with him in his presence. And he, he reigns as king on earth, and that's e- eternity. And then in that, you have the resurrection of the dead and things like that as well, uh, a, a, a final day of judgment where all living and dead are judged. And so you deal with all that. So I... If you're new to all this, don't be tripped up by any of what I'm saying here. I'm just saying I hold to um, um, a preterist view of eschatology that simply states that what we commonly think, the the majority of texts in the Bible are referring to as a second coming, happened in the coming of judgment in 70 AD, but I... Um, most people, other preterists will knock me or I see Matthew 24 and 25, um, as as fulfilled. I see, uh, the book of revelation fulfilled as well, but there are some tricky, uh, texts and some other, uh, epistles that will, uh, that are hard to navigate on. And I would say, I am totally not going to say Jesus is never, ever, ever going to return. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, that's what you have to deal with if you really want to get into to, to study there. Okay, so deity, uh, humanity, resurrection, and return um, are the subdivisions that deal with the doctrine of Christ. So the doctrine of the Holy Spirit then is next and last for this episode. And um, let's see. We know the, the the Holy Spirit regenerates us. He he transforms us from what we were like to what what we're going or should be as a born again Christian. He's uh, he knows all about us. He loves us. He commits himself to illuminate and change us and convict us and all these things. So there's personality. There's deity, salvation, and gifts which are debated. So the personality part is that the Holy Spirit is a personal being, not an impersonal force. All right. The Holy Spirit is sometimes perceived as um, the religious equivalent of like when I said emotionalism is like a school spirit or some sort of patriotism, if you will. All right. That's not accurate because in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is treated as a person And given the attributes of personality, such as emotions, actions, intellect, and relationships. So, he is a person. Um, In Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, right? So, um, 
there there's that. So <laughs> so there's deity is next, which means the Holy Spirit is divine, is and the third person of the Trinity. So not only is the Holy Spirit a personal being, he's divine. He possesses divine attributes um, such as um, uh, um, omnipresence and omnipotence. Uh, he performed miracles only God could do, such as the creation of the world and the, the conception of Jesus. And he is associated at, on an equal plane with the other members of the Trinity. All right. Um, and salvation then is included in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit plays an instrumental role in personal salvation of those who come to faith. It's the Holy Spirit who enables us um, through conviction to see our sinfulness, to realize that we should should repent. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to see that and in order to be born again, right? So we have faith in Christ alone and grace and all that. And uh, we repent of our sins. He gives us, uh, he regenerates us, makes us born again, gives us eternal life. And then we commit our li- lives to living for him and uh, the, the the Holy Spirit plays a role in that. All right. So um, next is gifts. So God obviously has given us gifts, but the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual uh, gifts to minister to others with. Um, and those are going to be debated. <laughs> There's some who don't believe in the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit that are uh, laid out by Paul in in First Corinthians twelve, um, but they will believe in your talents and gifts like hospitality and things like that, and or teaching uh, and, and and whatnot. But then there's also like you know the the spiritual gifts as well. So um, have fun on that one too if you want to. <laughs> Um, to to dive into that, okay? So, but that that basically, um, uh, well, as far as can there, there's other thing. Uh, as far as the other things that the Holy Spirit does is um, to to fur, to further tease it out. Conviction, okay? Re- conviction is revealing a need to change, and the Holy Spirit convinces a person, right? The need to change. Um, uh, so the, 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 this, this come you, you feel it, you know how to feel it. Uh, if you've experienced it, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, and then re- regeneration, that's the imparting a new spirit in eternal life with God, placing us in union, uh, with Christ. And then Holy Spirit indwells, right? He takes up residence within a person, uh, for, enabling us, empowering us, encouraging us and strengthening this us to to live this Christian life. Um, and he also seals us. That's the guarantee of the believer's relationship to God, all right? The, he guarantees um, our spiritual inheritance. He's the down payment, if you will. Um, and right now that will be fully realized when we die and move on to uh, to be with the Lord. That means that once a person is saved, once a person is regenerated, they are indwelt, they are baptized into the body of Christ, and their position is secure because of the seal 
that um, that comes with the Holy Spirit. That is a seal. It's sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until this day of redemption in Ephesians one uh, one thirteen. Okay, so uh, to sum it up, uh, the Holy Spirit has personality. He's uh, third person of the Trinity. So he's divine as a deity there. He plays a role in salvation and he's the giver of gifts. And he also is works in conviction, regeneration, indwelling, baptism, and the sealing uh, and securing of a believer uh, in their salvation. So that is then uh, the biblical overview, doctrines uh, overview of God, uh, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, which it makes up the Trinity. And uh, next we'll be moving on to, uh, you know, like angels. And with angels, there's going to be uh, some other things in there, too, that may be interesting to some of you. But then we'll also deal with man, humanity, you know, and sin as well as we make our way through this crash course. <laughs> 